welcome to the Financially Intentional Podcast, the podcast, all things personal finance, and hopefully some things you didn't even know you needed to know. I'm your host, Nasima McElroy, and my goal is to bring you topics and experts that will encourage you to take at least one actionable step that will aid you on your path to financial freedom. Welcome to episode 31 of the Financially Intentional Podcast. All right, nurses on fire. You guys are in for a treat because we have Paul Njoku of Team Elite Leadership Development here. What's up, Paul? Not a whole lot, Nasima. How you doing? I'm glad to be on the call with you. <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I'm just blown away with what you and your wife have accomplished in a relatively short amount of time. But before we dive into all your incredible successes, I want to talk about your nursing origin story. How did you become a nurse? I'm glad you asked, Nesima. I became, from a young child growing up in Africa, I've always wanted to be going to anything medical. One of my best friends growing up in Africa, his mom was a nurse. The dad was a medical doctor. So growing up in Africa, my dream was to become a medical doctor. But then I had the opportunity to come to U.S. A freshman in college, I was already in a mess school. I was already going on my track, on my way to becoming a doc. And then I had the opportunity to come to U.S. as an international student. And then what I realized in U.S. is in Nigeria, where I grew up, it takes six years to become a medical doctor. So four years of med school, two years of residence, you are done. And then in U.S., it takes about 100 years to become a medical doctor. So I quickly realized that I don't have 100 years to go to study for school. So I wanted to do something that I could get in and get out. Nothing well, what makes sense at that particular point. And then I graduated from Chico State. Uh, any wild cats in the house? So I was a Chico State 2009 graduate and then got my BSM from there. And then I went into nursing. Nursing was a beautiful career. I did it for 10 years. Pretty much any area that you could think in nursing. Uh, other than PQ, NICU, or OBGYN area. But other than that, anything you could think of in nursing, I did it. I was a trauma nurse starting out. I was an emergency room nurse. I did ICU. I did oncology. I did massage. Pretty much. And it, because I was one of those people, a year into it, I would get bored. Then I'll go, what's the next challenge? And six months into it, I would get bored. And then some of the hospitals that I used to work, they, some of the managers, they used to like me, but they used to hate me too, because they would come in, train me, and then off I go. And I want a new challenge. But I did, for me, though, I think that was really what I loved about nursing. The idea that you could come in and move from one different department. And, and then I did that up until 2000 and, 2018. 2018, a friend of mine basically shared some ideas with me because at that particular time, 2018, we were in a position, my wife and I, what was going on in the world, a new president coming in, the stock market all over the place. We had some money invested with financial advisors. I mean, a lot of things that could, I guess it's a Murphy's law. Anything that could go wrong went wrong. But looking back to, that was also a blessing. You know how, like they said, sometimes through adversity, in an adversity, you can always find a blessing. I think that was what happened to us because if 2018 didn't happen, my wife and I would not be here talking to you today. So it was, we took an adversity that happened to us from us 
all these crazy things that happen with our 401k, 403b, mutual fund. We basically decided, you know what, we needed to basically take ownership of our life. We needed to understand what we were doing with finance and all that. And then that's why we're here today. Yeah. Wow. 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 <laughs> that's an incredible story. But that was, that's a great t- transition because in 2018, you said Murphy's Law, everything fell apart for you guys financially. What happened for you to start rebuilding? Like what did, what opportunity did your friend present to you? 2018, when I met my friend, basically some of the things like you hear, I mean, let's be real, you hear rich people, oh, they do this. Wealthy people, well, they do this. But it's like you hear that stuff, but nobody really ever sits down with you and tell you, okay, how come they don't pay more taxes than most of us do? How come they pay less? Rich people, they leverage their money. They make their money work for them. What exactly does that mean? Such a cliche. I want to make my money work for me. Everybody will want to make their money work for them. That, if that kind of makes sense. Rich people, they believe in 1099 income. What does that mean? So, so all these things that we hear, but nobody really explain it to you, but you will hear on TV or you will hear people say it. And then I think the Chris was a blessing to us. The guy, the guy that really, he was a blessing because some of the things that we've been hearing, he was the one that actually started that with us and said, Paul, I've been in this country for too long. I don't care what anybody tells you. At some point, you got to understand that the game that wins. That means it's an entrepreneurship. I don't care what you do. As long as you clock in and clock out for someone, you might be able to do that to fund your dreams. But if you're looking for freedom, you got to be able to think about other things that most people are not thinking about. So he was the one that kind of, started having the conversation and I'm like, okay, I've been thinking about these things, but now I actually have someone that is basically, we're speaking the same language. Just being around, you know how like sometimes you meet people that make you better, right? You think start thinking different. That was exactly for us. My wife and I, Chris, half Filipino, by the way, half Chinese, right? So that was kind of what that did to us. And then basically, do you know that there are things you could do there that puts you in a position where you don't lose money? Because guess what? We just went through that. So I was open. I'm like, wait a minute. There's a way that you could actually save money and you don't lose it. He's like, I'm like, now you're talking to me, speaking my language. Do you know there are things out there that you could do where you pay little to no taxes? He's like, have you heard about what the top 1% in America do with their money? And I'm looking at him, top 1%, what is that? So as he began to elaborate, some of the things he was saying was resonating with me because we've done it the traditional way and we know the traditional way is not going to work. So some of the information that he was sharing, really, it was almost like, not that I wanted to be a consumer of some of the things he was sharing. I told him, I'm like, honey, this is what we need to do. Because here's the thing. I have an MBA degree from San Francisco State. My wife have an MBA degree from, from Mississippi. My wife is from Mississippi. But what we realize is, is one thing to be education, which is your book smart. I was a damn good nurse. I, like I said, I pretty much every area you could take in nursing, ICU, emergency room, I could tell you scenario disaster, what we need to do. Sometimes during code, I'm the one telling the doctor we need to do. So I was good in that field. But here's the thing, though. I was book smart. But no school in America teaches you financial education. It's one thing to be book smart, but it's also another thing to be financially literate. Paul and Stephanie... Prior to 2018, we are educated people, but yet we were also financially illiterate. 
Most of you that are listening to me on this, you're probably going, how can that be? Think about it. Most of us went to nursing school, we educated. Did they ever teach you during your nursing school, hey, this is how you manage money. Hey, this is what you do. They don't do that, right? They give you the degree to go build other people's dreams. So I think for us, what this Chris did for us was, for first time, somebody actually sat down with us and gave us the basis. We cannot be playing a money rule. Most of us are playing money rule, but we don't understand the game. Imagine me coming from Africa where we call it football. Football in Africa means different things. Football in America means different things. Football in Africa is soccer. Football in America, you throw it with your hand. Can you imagine me going, coming to America and I'm trying to play football with my legs? Well, what, do you think I'll be successful doing that? Or can you imagine going from Af- America to Africa to go play football with your hand? They'll be looking at you like you're crazy. Some of us, we're trying to play this money game of oh, 401k, 403b, retirement, debt, savings, but we have no clue how to play the game. Why? Nobody has taught us. Believe it or not, I know I, I kind of use that analogy, but believe it or not, what I just said right here, if you catch it, you can understand that. The point is, you can't do it on your own. Somebody has to sit you down to really explain to you how some of these things works. That makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And you hit the nail right on the head by saying financial literacy isn't something that's taught to us. It's not It's not extremely challenging. It's just something that we just don't know, whether that's intentional or not. I have my thoughts about that. But you said something interesting earlier about like how we think about money, like middle class people versus rich people with the wealthy people. You want to reiterate that because I think that drives that point home. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for the middle class, which by the way, that's where we were, my wife and I, up until 2018, I was a registered nurse. My wife was a registered nurse. I did pretty much bedside nursing and then charge nurse. My wife pretty much, she did Kaiser nursing. I would let her tell her story. Maybe we might need to have another podcast. She will get into other with you in a similar. But the point is, middle class, our, our idea of money is... I'm going to go pick up over time. When we think of money, of making money, we think the harder you work, then the more money you will make. That's how I used to think about money when I was a registered nurse. A record. I don't know, maybe some of you nurses on this call probably did this to tell you how crazy I was when it comes to workaholic. One time in my nursing career, I did a 16-hour shift, 40 days in a row. (laughs) 40 days in a row. But looking back now, what was the point of that? I made money, but how much did the uncle, everybody on this call, we all have a favorite uncle, right? I, the same uncle that I have, that's the same uncle that the Sima have and all these thousands of people on the call. We all have that uncle that we all love, Uncle Sam. <laughs> but Uncle Sam chose more than half of that money. When I did, oh, great job, Paul, right? Keep doing it. But what am I trying to say, though? Middle class, our understanding of money is very limited. Most of us, where do we save money? 401k, 403b, company pensions, money in the bank. But you see, none of those things that I just mentioned will make you wealthy. Did you hear what I, none of those things that I just mentioned, 401k, 403b, pension plan, savings account, none of those things will make you wealthy. Why? Control. Middle class are trying to save money where they don't have control. Wealthy people are trying to save money where they have control. 
think about it. <laughs> Whoever have control of the narrative, I don't care what it is that you do in life. If you have control, if you, you will have a better chance of winning. Because then that means control means you can, so to speak, you are like the GPS. Like you can dictate and decide which direction. Oh, there's a hard current. I don't want to deal with that wave. Let's veer this way. Oh, if I go this way, it's going to crash. Let's veer that way. Versus somebody that doesn't have a control. Then if a current is going, you're going to go right into it. And that's why a lot of middle class, that's one, that's, so that's one plan, control. Another issue with middle class and also the uh, top 1% is leverage. The wealthy people understand the power of leverage. I'll tell people, the wealthy people, their language is leverage, right? Leverage meaning they use what they have to get what they want. They use what they have to get what they want. You want to get this from me? If you give me this, then I will give you this. Let's look at what I mean by that. Think of the banks, for example. Wealthy people do not put a lot of money in the bank. They use the banks like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank. Those banks, they use them as a leverage. Bank of America, they will go to them and ask them for millions of dollars or billions of dollars. Bank of America will ask them to pay 5%. They will borrow the money from the bank, quadruple that money, give the bank back their 5%. And then basically, they are using the bank's money to make money. The middle class, on the other hand, the bank uses the middle class as a leverage. So the middle class, everything is, let's go to the bank. Everything, but when we go to the bank, we are going to the bank to ask for help. We are not going to the bank to say to the bank, you give us this or we give you this. That's what, when I celebrate, that's what I mean. And that's why you will see a lot of middle class, uh, they are saving money for retirement or they get a lot of money. Oh, how much do you have in your savings? 100,000, 200,000. I can guarantee you right now, average millionaires or average billionaires do not have more than ten dollars or $15,000 sitting in their bank account. Most of them do not even have a savings account. You know why? Why would they allow the bank to use their money and make all this money and then turn around and give them less than 1% of their money? Middle class, on the other hand, believe that oh, everything is the bank. And that's why the bank deceives us by calling it a savings account. But another name for savings account is lending account. The Bank of America, West Fargo, are not relying on you to put that money there. They will be like, hey, the money is sitting there. What they're doing is they're turning around and using that money in your savings account to look for business owners like us. And then, hey, Paul, hey, Warren Buffett, hey, Bill Gates, we, do you need loan? And then they will use their money and give loan to all these billionaires and millionaires and then charge them 10, 15% on the loan. And then they give you 0.1%. What I just explained there, if you understand that now, I'm not advocating people shouldn't have savings account. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we need to be smarter about what we do with our money and the vehicles that we are using to grow our money. It is one thing to make the money, but it's another thing to leverage your money. Meaning, how do you want to grow your money? How do you grow in it? So that's really key. Most people can make it, but most people don't even know how to grow it. And oftentimes, most people don't know how to keep it. So those are really things that we try to educate people to get them to understand. It's all about moving to the right. next level. So hopefully that's yes, it definitely does. Mm-hmm. And I know that you are bridging the gap to, for financial literacy, one family at a time. 
<laughs> and, and that's Absolutely. your model that you that your business is run off of. But I want to know what were those things that you put into place after your friend introduced you to these concepts that were also foreign to you and are foreign to most people? What were there, those concepts and how did you then use that to actually be able to both you and your wife retire early? And so used to having everything in front of them right away that we forget that innovation just takes time. I, I myself, I get frustrated too. Why? And you know, this is being one of my best friends is, hey, I talk to you all the time. Hey, man, I'm frustrated in the fact that I can't seem to just get there in mm-hmm. the next day. But that's just not how these things work, right? Innovation needs to be planned out. It needs to be very methodical. And then when it finally hits, that's when it seems like to everyone else that it it sort of just came out of nowhere. But to you, you know the amount of dedication that it took over that time. Absolutely. So some of the concept that my friend introduced us to was really some things like compound interest. When we hear it, I didn't know what it meant. I remember taking company credits in physics. <laughs> I've always been a nerd, but I didn't really understand what it meant. I'm like, I said, it's like, comp- brother, Alban Einstein. Speaking of Alban Einstein, his birthday was two days ago. One of the smartest scientists to ever live. He was a German scientist. He basically came up with the algorithm that talks about compound interest, simple interest. Basically, his whole thing is the idea of compound interest is how soon do you want your money to double for you? Never heard of it. But hey, everybody there on this call, don't you think that's something that we should know? <laughs> if you're going to make money and save it, don't you think you, you should be figured out, do I want this 100000 to double in two years? Do I want it to double in 100 years? Or do I want it to double in one year? Don't you think that's something because it's called what? Compounding and fair. For me, that was a game changer. Because I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, I didn't know what it meant. But then once I understood it, I'm like, okay, he's like, Paul, do you have a house? I go, yes, I do have a house. He's do you have student loan? I was still paying on my student loan. I go, yeah, I do have a student loan. He's do you have a credit card bills, debt? I'm like, yeah, I do. He's you have things that the banks are using compound interest on you, and yet you still don't understand compound interest. I'm like, brother, I'm like, what are you, are you speaking? What language is this? This is foreign to me. What's going on? When you bought your house in California, how much interest was on your mortgage? I go 3%. He go, that 3% you bought on your, how much is your house worth? We bought our house. I'm not going to, for the sake of it, but I'm just going to, we bought our house for 100000 And then he goes, that $100,000 in 30 years, how much do you think that you're going to end up paying the bank? I didn't know. We did the math. 3%. Mortgage for the next 30 years, I will end up paying the bank $300,000 on that house. That 3% interest is compounding on the mortgage. So I will end up buying that house times three. When he said that, I'm like, okay, wait a minute. And then he's like, if 3% is going to make you buy the house times three, what interest are you paying on your student loan? I didn't even know. 
I didn't know what interest. That's to tell you how the part you see now, like literally I went to, okay, wait a minute. Now I see why we're making money, but we're not saying, this is, by the way, this is common. Okay. This is common. So I have a student loan I'm paying back. I don't know what interest I'm paying it back on. Then I went and looked, my student loan, I was paying back 8%. If it 3% tripled over 30 years, your student loan is scheduled for you to pay it off in 10 years. What do you think 8% would do in 10 years? And then credit card. I, we didn't have a lot of credit card bills. But the point is, credit card bills, when you get into paying minimum payments, compound interest 22 to 25%. If 3% is tripling in 30 years, what do you think credit card bill that is compounding on you 20 to 25% would do in a year? See, I started paying attention. Just paying that attention, I paid off my student loan in one year. My student loan paid it off in one year because I'm like, oh no, we can't have this, right? <laughs> my credit card, I paid it off in two months. I'm like, oh no, we can't have it. What am I trying to say? To speaking of middle class, you will run into a lot of middle class that have a lot of money owned on student loan, a lot of money owned on credit card, but they got also a lot of money in their savings account. Speaking of understanding, being self-aware, so you are owing money in a credit card where you're going to be paying 10 or 15% in interest. You have a student loan where you're paying 5, 10, 15% interest, but then you get a lot of money sitting in your savings account where you're earning less than 1% interest. What sense does that make? You are better off paying off your debts, reassessing, and seeing where you are. It doesn't make sense to have a lot of money sitting in a bank where the money is growing at a lesser interest rate, but you are paying debt. It's costing you more on the debt than you're actually saving by leaving that money in the bank. So compound interest was one of them. Another one that really blew my mind, Nasima, was taxes. Everybody wants to save money. But speaking of top 1% and the middle class, the top 1% when speaking of taxes, they understand the power of leverage. Wealthy people are looking for ways to make money mitigate how much they pay in taxes. Middle class are only looking for ways to make money, but they don't think about it later. Or they just want to, I just want to make enough money. So if that means I got to clock in, I got to do a lot of overtime, I got to do that, they want to make more money. But the problem is W-2 income and 1099 income, and also the vehicle. 401k, 403b plan is a task code for business owners. If I own a business, you want to work for me, I give you a job, I offer you 401k, I'm offering you that 401k to keep you happy so that you don't have to wait on me. Anything that I put into that 401k, IRS will give me that money back. It's not costing me anything to offer you 401k. Business owners like me, I don't do 401k. There's something out there, I call it 7702 subsession A. That is a task code for the wealthy people in America. That is a task code for wealthy people in America that allows them to make as much money as they can and they don't have to pay taxes on that money. My wife and I, when we discovered this concept three years ago, we wanted to get this information out to as many people as we can. I'm not here to say that 401k is bad. 
I'm not here to say that 403 is being bad, but I want you to think about something. If the goal is retirement, if this goal is to already preserve what you already got, if you have a vehicle that would allow you to do just that, but when you need that money, you don't have to pay taxes on it, makes sense to me. <laughs> makes sense to me. So these are some of the concepts that we literally started, like Chris, when he started us down, he started breaking some of these things down. I was like, okay, this is definitely something that not only that my wife and I need to understand more, but also we need to make sure that too many people out here in the community and beyond that they really, they get educated with this information. But compound interest, I begin, I, I say it and I say it, it is a game changer, right? Because it allows you to start understanding what is it that you are actually doing. I call it asset and liabilities. What are your liabilities? How much is your liabilities costing you a year? If you get a $20,000 debt, and you, how much interest do you, do you pay on that $20,000 in a year? Or are you better off having to get rid of that debt and then at least now begin to start clean slate to really see where you can go? And then obviously, how money grow? Everybody wants to make money. But again, you get up, it's not about making it. It's about putting yourself in a situation where you can really preserve not having to pay taxes more than you need to. Look at what's going on in California right now. I live in California. Look at what's going on in the federal taxes now. The country is in debt. You will hear me ask many people, what do you think? Where do you think this country is going? Do you think taxes will go down in the future or do you think it's going to go up? Most people, even if they don't know anything about money, they will tell you where poor taxes is going to go up. Then if you think it's going to go up, then what are you doing today to prevent you so that when it goes up in the future, you don't get affected. You see, wealthy people already, everything that I'm saying, they already know that. So every decision they are making today, they are making it today, understanding what will happen in the future. And they are trying to prevent themselves for whatever happens so that it doesn't affect them. Middle class, the problem, most of us, we are too busy, right? Going to work, going back, traffic, raising kids, doing all that. We're not really paying attention to what's going on. But the truth is, you don't have to take my word for it. There's a big tsunami coming, and it's called taxes going up, and it will happen in our lifetime. This is something that most people that really understand it, they are, they, they are taking precautions to really prevent that, right? Because too many people will be highly disappointed when, when they get ready to retire 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. And what they thought they had today, half of that, or maybe more than half of that, will be going to a concern. So you, you got to begin to do things a little different. So I hear you paid off your debt. You took your money out of 401ks and 403bs and restructured how you guys were saving your money. And these are things that, these are concepts that you teach people. And this is then, that was your path that you use to retirement. So can you explain from like when your friend introduced this concept to you to when you actually retired, like how long that took? Actually, in a matter of rather quickly, like in a matter of uh, 2018, January, by 2019, January, I was fully retired. Like I was like less than a year. I was, I was, <laughs> I was retired because what I realized was, yeah, and I don't want people, I know this is, I don't want nurses to take this the wrong way. I love nursing. I really, it was my passion. But for me though, the idea of retiring was in a year after I started doing what I was doing, I went on this venture. What I realized was 
I had a bigger purpose. That doesn't mean nursing wasn't a bigger purpose. We know what to do. You're a nurse, people get sick, you come in, you train them, prognosis, diagnostic, and we know what to do. But I like to use the analogy that we went from healthcare to wealth care. Most people, believe it or not, there's a lot of people out there that are sick. They come in, we take, take care of them, CHF patient, diabetes, non-compliance. We know at least we get a treatment for them, right? Your blood sugar is too high. We give you a little insulin. We bring it down, CHF. We give you diuretic. You put you on oxygen. Make sure you take care. You know, we know what to do. That we can manage it somewhat. But what I realized from January 2018 to December 2018 was there's a lot of people in this society, especially in the minority community, that their finances needed a CPA. Like he needed, like somebody needed to go there and like literally like pound on their chest, give them some epinephrine and some dopamine and get this thing moving in the right direction. The Bible says where there is no vision, people perish. What if, if where there is a vision, then people will not perish? I am from Africa. My wife is from Mississippi. Don't take this the wrong way. But the point is, too many people in the minority community, it's not that people don't want to be successful. It's sometimes people have not been taught the discipline the financial literacy, intelligence on things that they needed to. How can you be making six-figure income year after year and you're still broke? That doesn't make sense, right? So this is literally, for me, when I say, okay, when I sit down with somebody, I'm literally trying to see, like a, you come into an emergency room, you telling a doctor that you have headache. What the doctor trying to understand, when is the onset? Is it excruciating? Is it numbing? Is it this? What do we need to do? What did you do? What was your last activity? When I sit down with someone, I'm literally going into, I'm trying to understand what is going on. What can we do to put you in a better financial standing? So for us, it was really, yeah, I retired like in less than a year because the, the problems that I was seeing and the need for my expertise that I was seeing, I told my wife, I'm like, honey, I'm jumping, right? People need what we offer. And my wife, I'm going to be honest, she looked at me, she thought that I was crazy. I'm like, honey, no, no, no. That's why you marry me. I am people need what we offer. We need to go out there and help them. So that transition happened like about a year. But the reason why I accelerated that transition was because I saw the need for what we do. People, a lot of people out there are literally, they are dying in silence. Some people are going through, like when I, I've sat down with some people, I'm like, hey, medical doctors, professionals, but they're dying in silence. You know why? Because most people in the society are, are too busy trying to impress people that don't even care about it. And in the process of trying to impress people that don't even care about them, they end up putting themselves in a financial situation that shouldn't have never been in the first place. I'm a medical doctor. Wonderful. Great for you. Well, I have to live in Oakland Hills. Who say you have to live in Oakland Hills? Paul, you know, I'm a nurse. My wife is a nurse. So we got to drive Mercedes. Who says that? Well, Paul, you don't understand. I'm a nurse anesthetic. I mean, it might, I got to be a Jaguar. Who say you have to drive it? What happened to Toyota? I'm a pharmacist. I'm an engineer. 
an engineer, man. We're making six-figure income. It's a status. And I got a doctorate degree right next to my neck. My name means everything. So I got to go buy a $1 million home. Who say you can't live in an apartment? So you basically, people are too busy thinking that people are thinking about them. And then in the process, they're putting themselves in all this situation. And you're looking at, you're clocking in and clocking out. And you're living a lifestyle that you can't afford. And then if they fire you, then everything collapses. COVID-19 happened. They cut down your hours. Everything collapsed. Or people are trying to live their lifestyle, get into a lifestyle that 40 hours a week, clocking in and clocking out, will not sustain. So they are living a lifestyle that they have to work 60 hours a week to sustain that lifestyle. These are things that, because I work with a lot of medical professions, so that's why I understand what's going on there, right? So again, this is the thing, the education that we're trying to give people on. You cannot live a lifestyle that you cannot sustain. So when I sit down with people, literally, we have me tell them, hey, this is what I see. This is what's going on. And I don't think if you keep doing this, you're going to lose your house. If you keep doing this, you're going to, something terrible is getting ready to happen. And they'll be like, well, I'm like, right now you can't sustain it. Until you could make, a, make money while asleep. Like Warren Buffett says, right? When you start making money, it's called passive income. That means your, your money is working for you. You shouldn't go get a lifestyle that you can afford. And, or you're dependent on lifestyle on that over time. So these are the things, like literally, Nasima, that we, we started seeing literally shortly, six months into it, this is what I started seeing. Middle class are too busy trying to press people that don't care about them. And in the process, they're getting themselves into financial reunions. So I felt in me that I was needed in that arena because most people that I work with are medical professionals that are nurses. So, you know, when I tell them, I'm telling them from experience. I'm also telling them from what I need, what I've seen. So that was really, yeah, literally less than a year. I mean, basically I retired. But not only did I retire, most of my colleagues, including my manager, ended up retiring. <laughs> she, she joined me in business because she brought up, I see what you are doing. And even in my community, I feel the need that I need to go out here and speak up. So it's a real, it, it, the problem is most people don't want to talk about it, but financial illiteracy is a disease. Right. And until someone really has sit down with you and point it out, most people don't. It's a disease that most people don't even know. Imagine having you are diabetic. You don't even know you're diabetic. Like you're going up to the doctor, they are like, check your hemoglobin L1C. Wait a minute, sister, your hemoglobin is 10. Like literally, you're like you've been getting ready to go into diabetic insipidities. You didn't even know it. So that's really so a lot of what we do is really trying to get people to it's a real problem. It's a real problem, honestly. So both you and your wife are retired from nursing, but you still have this elite financial, I mean, elite team, elite leadership development. Sorry about that. But you see, you have this business where you teach mostly, or you lead mostly medical professionals into a state of wealth building, right? Like you take them out of financial illiteracy and you help them build wealth. And so that's what you guys do. You both are doing full-time now. Totally, totally outside yes. of nursing, like totally retired from nursing, and you guys are doing this full time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how does your program work? Like, how do people work with you if they want to retire early too? Because that's what we're about. We're about nurses retiring early, and it sounds like you have the toolkit. So, how can people work with you? Basically, the financial illiteracy part of what we do. There's a basically people come in there like, "Well, Paul, this is what I got going on." How can you help me? Then we can look at their situations and make recommendations on things that they need to do. 
And then a lot of nurses, I'm going to be real with you guys, a lot of nurses oftentimes, some of them are poor, I'm not business-minded. However, I'm paying a lot of money in taxes. So how can I reduce my taxes? 1099 income. 1099 income. Making $200,000 on W-2 is different than making $200,000 on 1099 income. Obviously, I'm not a task expert, but you got to understand the idea of owning your own business. And then you go from 1099 income to now escort, incorporate yourself. Team Elite that you see right here is incorporated. So that means I have a company now. And then when you incorporate yourself, then it's even better, right? Because now you have a, so they don't treat me now as Paul and Jocko. They treat me now as Team Elite. State California knows me as Team Elite company. IRS knows me as similar company. So now, basically, I have my own company. But you having your own company, you have things that you can really begin to do when in terms of you running a business and payrolls and, you know, all that. Now, I know these people probably might be going, oh, my God, you know. No, I have a CPA that does all that. So that is, you probably go, oh, my God, S-Corp and LLC, what is that? I have a CPA and a task lady that does all that. But my point is, you have got to figure out a way. We know, Nasima probably can agree with me with this. We know that clocking in and clocking out is not gonna do it. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. You gotta figure out a way to supplement that clocking in and clocking out. But if that's what you wanna do, like wholeheartedly, 100% of the time, it will be impossible to retire. Because think about it. The 401k idea is you're making $100,000 a year. We're going to tell you to put, put away 10 to 15% of your income every year into a 401k plan. Follow me on this. But then most people that are making $100,000 a year, they are still living paycheck to paycheck. So you make $100,000, they tell you to put away 15% of that, which is $15,000. But so 85,000 is not enough. But we are telling you to save 15,000 when you retire, that is going to be enough. If 85,000 is not enough today, what makes you think 15,000 a year when you retire is going to be enough? <laughs> so the point is, I'm not a mathematician, but we already know just from looking at it, that math does not work, right? Or they tell you, we're going to give you pension. Great. Then you put away 15,000. And then you get a pension of 15,000. Then if 85,000 today is not enough, what makes you think 30,000 later when you retire is going to be enough? That is if everything works. But if everything doesn't work and then the year you get ready to retire, COVID-19 happened or real estate crash happened like it happened in 2008. Now that little money that you're banking on is gone. Or you still going to pay taxes. So my point is, these things I've thought it through. I've read a lot of books to know that they don't work. I'm not anti, I'm not hating on anybody doing it, but you will have me tell people, if the goal is to have a successful retirement where you can comfortably retire, still be able to maintain your lifestyle, then you're going to begin to find other things that you could do to supplement. Because if you don't supplement, then you're going to put yourself in a situation where you're going to end up eating bologna and chicken sandwich, right? So we don't, we don't want that, right? We want to maintain that lifestyle of lobster steak dinner, even when you're retired. Right. If you want to, then you're going to be able to start planning for it. But, but so that's really, and then the, so how did my wife, how did my wife, uh, what was the other question again? 
you talked about how you guys retire, but I wanted to talk about like, how can people start working with you? Yeah, how people can start working with me. So now, so you got the progress on the business side, people will come in and then that's what we do. Free complimentary review. So free complimentary review Nesima, is basically where people will come in, we sit down with them, try to understand what, they, what they're what they looking for. Some people might come in and be like, well, Paul, I want to make more money, which is cash flow. But the problem that I'm having right now is I got so many things going on, but I don't feel like I make enough money. In that case, then we will need to sit down with them to understand when they say they want to make enough money, what can they put it, can they quantify that? What is enough money? See, enough money for me three years ago and what enough money for me right now is different. It's all different level right now. So we need to understand what is enough money mean like for you? Is that 2000 Is that 10000 Is that, you see what I'm saying? So based on where they are, then we can understand what they need. And then we will then begin to talk about what that would look like. And then, so that's really where we get into basically one-on-one -on -one, our group session. And then I'll be like, okay, this is what they, I will have to show them some things, a, a, a specific plan that will allow them to go do that. That's what they want to do. Some people will come in and be like, well, I got a child. I want to plan for college. I, I want to plan for retirement. I don't know where to begin. How can you help me? Then again, free complimentary review. We will look at what they have, look at what they got going and I will tell them, okay, this is what I see. This is what I see. This is where I think you need to go. But again, these are some of the things I will have to show things, not just what I say. I will have to show some visual so that people will be able to see that. Right. So it's very personalized plans, depending on whatever their goals are and you help them get there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. So share with everybody because you have dropped so many gems already. I just want people to know, like, where can they get in contact with you? How can they sign up to work with you? Share your information so people can follow up with you. Absolutely. So I'm, on, I'm pretty much here. So my cell phone, my cell phone is 530-354-7185. That's my cell, 530-354-7185. My email address is B as in Paul. Last name is N as in Nancy, J as in Jacob, O as in Oregon, K as in Kentucky, U as in Uruguay, P-N-J-O-K-U-9 at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter or you can follow me on IG, Instagram. Instagram is a team, team elite leaders. Instagram is team elite leaders, team Elite, so the name of my company, Team Elite, and then Leaders, you will see me there on Instagram. On Facebook is also the same thing, Team Elite Leaders, you can also see them there. So basically the name of the company, Team Elite, and then Leaders. Again, cell phone number is 530-354-718. Okay, and I'll, I'll have all the links. Okay, I'll have all these links here, just so, just so you know, everybody will have the links in the and your number will be in the show notes, so people don't have to <laughs> write it down or try to follow it. Yeah. It'll be able to they'll be able to click on it in the show notes. Yeah, and you're yeah. saying your offices are mm -hmm. in San Ramon, California. Our offices in San Ramon, two thousand Crow Canyon Place, Suite four hundred five, is in San Ramon, California. San Ramon, two thousand Crow Canyon Place. Suites 405, zip code is a 97854. And so, so the, to wrap things up, I just want to know, since you and your wife have a chief fire, what's next for you guys? 
Fire, fire, <laughs> right? It's all about it's all about nest for us. It's all about growth, right? It's all this thing called life is all about growth. Wherever you are, you gotta begin to grow next level. So every time I thought, I'm like, what is the next goal? What is the next level? What is this? Some people in life, excuse me, don't take this the wrong way. Some people in life, there's nothing wrong with Toyota, right? There's nothing wrong with Toyota, right? But you have me tell, tell people that life, you got the Toyota lane and then you got the Ferrari lane, right? You got the Toyota lane, you got the Ferrari lane. So I believe go big or go home. So I'm always in the Ferrari lane, right? I'm going 1,000 miles an hour. Let's keep this thing going. Let's go. What is the next goal? What is it? That's really what it takes. Right. I don't believe in life is people say life is fair. Life is not fair. I don't really believe in that. And also one of the biggest thing for us is giving back to community. We, we've been blessed. We are blessed. I'm, and I'm, when I say that, I don't say that to brag. I don't say that to my wife is from Mississippi. Through my foundation, our foundation, we've been able to do a lot of good in the inner cities in Mississippi, where she's from. Getting kids, putting them on after school program. We got some people right now, we're paying for scholarship for them to go to school in Mississippi. I'm from Africa. Before Every year, my wife and I, we go to Africa to do medical mission. Even though we retired from the only year that we didn't go was last year. Obviously, well, what was going on? COVID. So we couldn't do that. But six years ago, first time that I took my wife to Africa, she kind of hurt my feelings. She hurt my, oh, honey, I can't believe this is where you're from and people are dying and what can we do? We need to build a hospital. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, honey, build a hospital. Where, how are we going to do that? She, honey, I don't know. So the point is, I looked at her and I thought she was crazy because she wanted to build a hospital. Because to me, we didn't have a way to do it. Last year, that's why I was saying COVID-19 has been a blessing in so many ways. The dream of building a hospital that she wanted to do because think about it. We go home every year to do medical mission. We treat people, free healthcare, free order. A year later, we go back and then most of them, there's no maintenance program. So some of the things we gave them six months later is gone, but there's no way. Sheila, why don't we build a hospital where these people can have follow-up? So that some of these things that we have into every year, we've got to start from stage one. If they have a place that they can go to get regular checkup, then they will be in a better position. Do you know that right now we just secured a land and we are talking to the architecture right now where we're going to build a, a hospital, 100-bed hospital in Africa? That's what opportunities like this. You see, some people can say money is, is, is the root of all evil, this and no. I believe, like Oprah Winfrey says, money only reveals who you are. If you're a bad person, money is going to magnify your bad heart to people. If you're a good person, a good kind of person, then money is only going to reveal that. So that's what this thing has really done for us. Back home in Africa, we probably got close to 500 families that we are feeding. Since COVID-19 happened last year, we have people that we are literally giving food bond, uh, uh, Monday to Sunday to Sunday, breakfast, lunch, dinner. That's what allowed us because God has really blessed us beyond our dreams, things that we didn't really think that we can do, all because of this. I couldn't do this if I was still a nurse. That's the truth, right? Because most of you that are on this call, you know how much nurses make, right? But this business has allowed us to be able to do things that we never really thought that we can do. And literally, this was something that I just started because somebody shared an idea with me. 
and started doing his spare time. He went from spare time to part-time, and then he went from part-time to full-time. Now, literally, we are in a position now where money is not an issue. I believe it's basically giving us freedom. What is freedom? Being able to do what you want to do when you want to do it. That's really, that's a big deal, right? That's more than money. Can you put, can you put a price tag to your, to freedom? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. So that's really what this thing has done for us. So again, I would love to sit down with some of you and maybe share some ideas and things that you could do to begin to start building for you and your family. I would definitely love to do that. I love that. So again, thank you, Nasima. Of course, of course. And I know you got me fired up. I know the audience out there is fired up. Like you guys' story is just incredible. But what makes it even more special is that we can see ourselves in you. And so it makes it possible for us. So I appreciate what you're doing, what you've done. And I am completely floored on about like how much you're able to give back to the community, but how easy money is to you now. It's effortless. And I tell people that money begets money. It's just those first steps that you have to take to switch that control. Like you said, it's all about control. Once you switch that control, then the sky's the limit. And thank you for being such a positive example for our community. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And thank you so much for taking time to share with our community, because these are the stories that we need to hear. And I just really appreciate you and your wife from the bottom of my heart, because you guys are phenomenal and we just need to hear more of this. So I appreciate you. Absolutely. I would appreciate you too. Thank you for the opportunity. We've got to get the message out. So again, my wife and I just want to, she really, she like, honey, Nasima, you got to meet this wonderful lady. She's doing a lot of things. She's making it happen. I'm like, okay, let's get on her podcast. Let's make it happen so that that way, because at the end of the day, this life, this thing called life is not an individual, even though we might come from different places. We might come from different, but at the end of the day, we are still one people. That's really what I try to get people to understand where everybody got the same needs and wants. You want the best for your two beautiful daughters, just like I want for my kids. You want the best in life, just as I want the best in life. It doesn't matter our ethnicity. It doesn't matter where we come from. At the end of the day, everybody wants the same for their family, which is we want better life. We want things to. So all those things, whatever it is, heart of desires, that's what everybody wants when you really think about it. So then once you understand it and start looking at it from that angle, what, what are we fighting for? There's enough for everyone, right? There's really enough for everyone. So with that, again, we need more nurses to really come on board on this crusade of really educating because there are too many of us that are walking, changing life, but they're not really, they're not thinking about themselves or too many of us that are really walking, making all this money, we're in debt or too many of us that are really walking, but we can't retire, right? Think about it. Like so, uh, we are walking, walking, caring for other people, but too many of us want to retire, won't be able to do it. There's a way to do it. Right? There's a way to do it. And that's really what this thing is all about because I truly believe that we have all it takes to really go out here and change this world and change the community. So more millionaire nurses. Yes. More millionaire nurses. Yes, yes, <laughs> right? yes. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So we, I am, that's my that's my slogan. I'm here to normalize nurse millionaires. And anybody that's, that's on that same path as me, I mean, like, let's team up. Like you said, it's enough out there for everybody. You having something doesn't take away from anyone else. Like it's an abundance mindset. So I love it. And thank you. Thank you guys so much for what you're doing. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. 
Thank you for listening to my mommy's podcast. Bye-bye. Bye.